Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We are joined by Ryan Aber from the Daily Oklahoman. He covers Oklahoma athletics. We're going to talk some OU football here on the show. Ryan, hello. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on this afternoon. How are y'all doing? Oh, you bet. We love uh, love having you on. It's football season, even though it's a million degrees out right now. Uh, so Oklahoma had a... a atypical season to say the least last year the rebuild begins there's hope they are ranked 20th in the ap preseason poll Uh, are they worthy of that ranking and what do they have to do to maybe even be better than that yeah i think certainly they've got a chance to be worthy of that ranking it's hard to uh, you know in picture just how things will go with the, the rebuild that they've done especially on the defensive side a lot of new faces in the transfer portal, which gives you a, a chance to rebuild maybe a little bit quicker uh, than you could in the past. But at the same time, you never quite know how all of that's going to come together. And then on the offensive side, there's a, a lot of uh, bright spots. You like what uh, the offensive line looks like, uh, even though they lost a first and a third rounder at uh, the tackle spot. It looks like they could have a chance to be more physical uh, in, in those positions. And then at running back with Javante Barnes and even Gavin Sawchuck, who didn't play a ton last year, but we're solid coming back. Dylan Gabriel, quarterback. But, uh, again, some more questions over there, especially at wide receiver, who outside of Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops are going to be playmakers at the receiver spot. So I, th- I think this is as big of a swing between best-case and worst-case scenario uh, that, that I can remember, at least on my time during the OU beat. But the schedule – uh, gives them a chance to be better record-wise, significantly better record-wise, even if they're a similar team than they were a year ago because they don't have to play uh, the Kansas State, a team that's sort of been a thorn in their side. They don't have to play uh, uh, Texas Tech, who has given them some issues, Baylor. So the, the schedule's pretty forgiving for them, and then their non-conference schedule uh, with Georgia being taken out thanks to uh, their move to the SEC next year. Uh, became a, a lot easier as well. So uh, a pretty wide variety of uh, where where things could go both positively and negatively with this team. 
Yeah, you mentioned the defense, not just one of the worst in, in the Big 12 last year, but one of the worst uh, in the country, and that's obviously a surprise for a Brent Venables team. So would you say that was schematic? Was that coaching? Was that personnel? And after all they've uh, done in the transfer portal to address that, do they feel that as though it will be improved just based on personnel, or have they made other adjustments too? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing was personnel for them last year. One, that uh, you know they were largely working with the group of players brought in to play Alex Grinch's defense and not Brent Venable's defense, and there was a lot of adjustment to that. Uh, most notably with Deshaun White in that cheetah role, which is sort of a hybrid linebacker uh, and, and defensive back spot, and nobody that they really had fit well into that, but uh, sort of did the best he could there, and then. Uh, depth at several positions wasn't what they would have liked. Linebackers had to play, you know, 90 to 95% of the snaps last year. and That's just uh, unsustainable when you're uh, trying to do the things that you've got to do to be successful defensively in the Big 12 and then looking forward even next year to that move to the SEC where things uh, take a, an even bigger step. So they feel a lot better about the depth that they've got this year, both with uh, some of the, the freshmen that they added, and most notably Peyton Bowen in the, the secondary, the five-star uh, recruit who wound up choosing them over Oregon at the last minute, sort of even after signing day uh, last year. And then all of the additions that they've made in the portal uh, with Reggie Pearson at safety, but especially in the defensive line when they had Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest, Trace Ford, from Oklahoma State, who has had some really bright moments. His question has just been, can he stay healthy or not? Uh, Davin Sears from Texas State and uh, Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame and, and a couple of uh, even newer options with uh, Dejon Terry uh, from uh, Tennessee. So they've got uh, added a lot of bodies there, but uh, a lot of bodies that outside of Bothroyd and Trace Ford are largely unproven uh, at this level. Ryan Aber, Aber, our guest, beat writer for the Daily Oklahoman, covers Oklahoma athletics. Uh, as we all know, this is a football program that has had enormous star power. Uh, it's not quite that way right now. The AP released its preseason All-America team uh, first and second. There are no Oklahoma players on that list. I can't imagine that's been the case very often. Uh, over the past 50 years or so. Are you, uh, what, what do you think about uh, Brent Venables and his recruiting? Is that star power going to come back? It certainly looks that way. They've been recruiting better. You know, I mentioned Peyton Bowen uh, there earlier. They've got a couple of uh, similar type guys defensively in next year's class. Now, where they really need to take a big step forward is on the defensive line, and they've been a little bit better but I think they need to be even better than they've been. You know, if they were able to get David Stone, ultimately that would be a big get for them in improving that defensive line. Missed out on Williams, one area, uh, you know, the kid from uh, the, the Kansas City area that uh, committed to Missouri was uh, a, a tough loss for them. But generally recruiting hasn't been an issue. Now, I think at this point, though, they've got to start showing success on the field to be able to sustain that recruiting success because it becomes a lot uh, more difficult to sell recruits if you can't point to recent success. And 
they've been able to point to the success of uh, Clemson and uh, other programs where their assistant coaches have been, but it's getting to the point where they're going to have to point out their own success. And if they're not able to uh, turn a corner this year, I think recruiting uh, momentum can slow down really quick. So we know uh, Dylan Gabriel at quarterback is, is solid, maybe not spectacular. We also know that last time uh, Oklahoma turned to a freshman uh, in the middle of the season, it started to change the trajectory of that season. Uh, and then Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley left for USC. So how safe is, is Dylan Gabriel with, uh, with Jackson Arnold, the Gatorade National Player of the Year behind him? And uh, will they want to give Jackson Arnold some looks there just uh, as they go into the SEC next year? Yeah, I think you you will see Jackson Arnold a little bit now. I think they've much preferred if he played a couple of times in those first three games, and then you just sort of put him in a glass case as a you know breaking case of emergency type thing. But uh, I think Dylan Gabriel is pretty solid there. You know he you know clearly wasn't the the kind of star player that OU has gotten used to at quarterback, but virtually nobody's going to be with uh, the, the success that they've had at that position over the last decade or so. But there are things certainly that they would like Dylan Gabriel to clear up. Uh, I think ideally for them, they would like to ease Jackson Arnold into things, be able to re- preserve that red shirt and, uh, you know, have Dylan Gabriel improve a little bit in those late game situations and make a little bit better decisions there, but uh, still uh, roll with them. But Jackson Arnold is a really nice option to have if they uh, wind up needing him. You know, last year when Gabriel went down against TCU, it was, uh, you know, a lot of uh, duct tape and and chicken wire trying to keep that position together with uh, how they use Braden Willis and Eric Gray and Marvin Mims and a lot of non-quarterbacks to play quarterback in that 49 to nothing loss to Texas. They wouldn't be in that position this year because they feel a whole lot better about what Jackson Arnold brings but if things do go south early in the season, I don't think there's any doubt you're going to start hearing chants of, you know, we want Jackson among the, uh, the OU fans. We heard it a few years ago with when Spencer Rattler struggled. It wound up working out pretty good with him with Caleb Williams. Now, I think uh, Dylan Gabriel's a better quarterback now than Spencer Rattler was then. But Jackson Arnold certainly has the kind of potential to be a Caleb Williams type uh, difference maker. They would just prefer it to be down the line and uh, you know make that transition next year to the SEC with him uh, starting quarterback and not this year. Ryan Aber, our guest from the Daily Oklahoman, we're talking Oklahoma football as we begin uh, Big 12 previews. And I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times, uh, but Bedlam is such a huge thing uh, in college football, even though Oklahoma has dominated it. Uh, that final Bedlam game uh, will happen on November 4th in Stillwater. Uh, if I want a ticket for that, what do I need to do? <laughs> Get, you better start saving about uh, five years ago. I think it's going to be a really hot ticket there in Stillwater. And, heck, they uh, sold out their season tickets for the first time in, in quite a while. At, at one point, they had bundled the Bedlam ticket where you had to buy a season ticket to get that. And uh, they they still hadn't been able to reach that level. They reached that level this year, and I think there's a lot of fervor uh, for that game. Obviously, Oklahoma State's a team in a little bit of a transition itself, but they're going to be fired up for that game in Stillwater for sure. And who knows when we're going to see it again. So I think you're only going to see ticket prices for that uh, go up and up, especially if OU and OSU 
are successful because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to uh, get themselves into the stands for that matchup. Hey, you got your feet uh, in Oklahoma every day. What is the general mood of Oklahoma State fans when it comes to this move uh, by Oklahoma? Of course, it's uh, it's been in the works for a long time. It's on the cusp of happening. Uh, but what it, what is the mood? Why is that game uh, have such fervor? Well, I, I think it, it started off as uh, OU, OSU fans were, you know, there's a lot of trepidation there with what was going to happen. Would OSU be able to land in a power conference? You know, how would uh, things shake out there when all the cars finished falling? But now that OSU is, is in a Big 12 that looks, uh, you know, in a really good position to be competitive moving forward with not only the four new additions this year, but uh, the new additions coming aboard from the Pac-12 next year. I think it's one of, uh, I'm not gonna, quite going to say good riddance, but there's a, a lot of OSU fans who feel, you know, really good about where they stand and they're not going to uh, lose a lot of sleep over not being able to play OU every year. I, I think ultimately that series will be revived somewhere, somehow. I don't know if it'll wind up being able to be an annual thing, but I think it's going to happen at some point. But uh, uh, certainly the the mood has changed among Oklahoma State fans where I think they're a lot more content with the way things have fallen out now uh, than they were a couple years ago when we first found out this thing and it looked like maybe the Big 12 could cease to exist. Now the Big 12 is uh, you know in a, a pretty good position uh, behind the SEC and the Big Ten, obviously, and, and significantly behind, but still in solid position to thrive uh, long-term moving forward, and they feel a whole lot better about things uh, than they did uh, back then. A much softer landing. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you mentioned the schedule, and OU doesn't play Kansas State, Texas Tech, or Baylor, so just how difficult will it be not only to evaluate Oklahoma, but the but the entire Big 12 as the season goes along when there's not really much balance to uh, the schedule. Yeah, it's going to be weird. You know, one of the big selling points of the Big 12 the last few years has been that, you know, one true champion uh, motto and, and talked about playing the, the round robin and how that helped determine a pretty clear, clear winner. Uh, that that won't be the case this year. I think certainly that Big 12 championship game takes on a little bit different significance now just because you're going to see teams that haven't played the same group of opponents and and you're going to have to evaluate in a different kind of way. It's going to be interesting because, you know, we talked about OU schedule. It's fairly light. You've got a a Cincinnati team that's in a, a big transition. You've got, you know, Central Florida going through a little bit of transition uh, themselves and making that leap up to the Big 12 level, uh, BYU, and then some of the other teams that they play in the Big 12, maybe not uh, ones that you expect to finish at the top. And then in the non-conference side, you've got Arkansas State, uh, Tulsa, and uh, SMU there, so they don't have that marquee uh, non-conference game. So it's certainly evaluation when you talk about not only OU and some of the other ones, but really the, the league across the board. It's going to be a lot more difficult uh, this year, but, you know, all the other leagues uh, find a way to do it themselves. So, uh, you know, we'll see how everything uh, shakes out uh, there at the end. But I think certainly in OU's case, it's a positive for them maybe to build a little bit of momentum 
and potentially get them back into the Big 12 championship game uh, for a final time before they make that leap uh, next year. All right, good stuff talking Oklahoma football. Before I let you go, I got to mention something uh, professionally. Uh, Two friends of mine, especially uh, Barry Trammell, but also Jenny Carlson, leaving the newspaper business, leaving uh, the Daily Oklahoman, uh, starting some other venture. That's uh, big news in your state. Yeah, it really is. And it was really weird being in our Monday morning meeting uh, this morning without those two. And those those two have set the standard for uh, the Oklahoman for, uh, you know, just personally, they sort of set the culture in our newsroom and not just in the sports department, but period. And, you know, been such a big part of, I mean, heck, Barry, Barry Trammell is the reason why I became a sports writer, reading him growing up. And uh, it was a great honor to work next to both of them. They are better they are fantastic writers, but even better people. And I know that sort of gets overused, but if it applies to anybody, it applies to those two. And uh, I really hope that this new venture uh, turns out well for them because they both deserve an incredible amount of success. And they've been such a big part of uh, my career uh, growing up and also making the Oklahoma and what it's been. And we're going to, you know, find a way to move on and, and have success. Uh, without those two, but certainly uh, it's going to be strange uh, not uh, sitting next to those guys uh, day in and day out because they are both fantastic at what they do and and who they are. Very nice, Ryan. Thank you for your time. We'll talk to you down the line. Sounds great. Always enjoy it. Thank you all for having me on. You bet. Ryan Aber from the Daily Oklahoman. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.